Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. President Trump leaving New Jersey, heading down to Washington, D.C., where he will be arraigned. Of course, you have the indictment regarding January 6th. Don't get me wrong, this indictment is nuts. I look at people who see this as something that makes perfect legal sense. I look at them askew. These are odd people. And I've seen people on the political right do it. I'll get into Noah Rothman's commentary over there at National Review. The editors of National Review are like, yeah, this is this is outrageous stretch, this indictment. And he's like, well, wait a second. If you want to quote some Supreme Court precedent, you're more than welcome to. But we should discuss misreading that precedent as well. That's that that's that's bad news in my view. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. That's the the show, people. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. That's how you get to be a part of uh, the the, the program. And, of course, you're going to watch the arraignment happen, right? It's going to get covered. The conspiracy to defraud the United States, the conspiracy against rights, however it is they want to describe it, right, or however they want to engage these charges, you can take behavior that you find reprehensible and say that it's reprehensible. You're not going to get an argument out of me. We might agree on many things. It's the criminal part. There can be no doubt that this is political. And how do I know this? Here's how I know this. Who was Trump's um, outside lawyer in the Mueller investigation and there was a request for an interview of uh, President Trump, and the question was, well, are you going to let him talk to the, to, to, to the special counsel? And they conducted basically an interview, a mock. It doesn't matter what he said. That's George Conway. That's how I know the whole thing is bunk. George Conway has no specific particular value to these conversations the only reason he's on tv is because he was married to kellyanne conway the former campaign manager and advisor to president trump and because he disliked trump so much they said hey let's put him on television and screw with his wife that's what happened And until news outlets take these things seriously, I'm not going to take them seriously. Now, if we want to take something seriously that they're not taking seriously, let us now discuss the Devin Archer transcripts, which are out. Devin Archer, the former business partner of Hunter Biden, stating very clearly to the House Oversight Committee, us clearly in a way that even Representative Dan Goldman cannot deny, and he, he flat out lied. Oh, what, what Devin Archer said, it was just it was some niceties. Joe Biden got on the phone and was engaged in some niceties. It wasn't a big deal. Oh, it was a big deal. Devin Archer confirms 
that the brand was Joe Biden. The only reason to talk to Hunter Biden was get to Joe Biden. And if it wasn't for Hunter Biden being on the board of Burisma, and therefore Joe Biden being there, Burisma would have gone out of business. Joe Biden kept them in business. That's the brand. That's the value. And yes, this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden story, this crime family, this is the biggest story in America. Not the arraignment of Trump. I've seen arraignments of Trump. It's not even a big deal. It's not even a thing. But dear Lord, have you read some of these transcripts? Here, here, allow, allow me uh, to, uh, to give you a little bit of a read. Now, I haven't read all of this. This all came out today. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it live with you. I'm going to share it live with you. And if I'm going to do it, I mean, I'm going to do the full dramatic reading. So here, here's some of, here's some of what was said by Devin Archer, some of the transcript. This is Devin Archer, according to the House Oversight Committee, revealing that Vice President Biden actually attended dinners with Hunter Biden's foreign business associates, people who then wired money, who wired money to Biden and Associated LLCs. Here. Let's read, shall we? Question. And I want to talk about the value. Going back to this, it would be spring of 2014 Cafe Milano dinner. Devin Archer, uh-huh. The spring of 14, yeah, the first one. Question. And since we talk about it before the break, if you could just recap... Can you just say again who was there? Devin Archer, sure. Uh, Kenneth Rakishev, Karim Masimov, Yelena Baterina, possibly Yuri, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, possibly Eric Sherwin. Question. The duration of the time that Joe Biden stayed there, you said you couldn't recall. But do you recall whether he had dinner or whether... Devin Archer. He had dinner? Yeah, I recall that he had dinner. It was a regular, not a long dinner, but dinner question and so this dinner takes place in spring of 2014 approximately but then do you recall getting a wire on february 14th of 2014 from yelena baturina for 3.5 million to rosemont seneca thornton devin archer rosemont seneca thornton question uh yes answer yes and why i remember that is from the from the other testimony yes Devin Archer states, states that there's a dinner, that Joe Biden was at the dinner, and because of that dinner, money, three and a half million dollars, was moved to Rosemont Seneca. Because of the access, not the illusion of access, as uh, New York Representative Dan Goldman wanted to tell you, the illusion of access, no, Actual access, because dinner is access. And then they move on to the second dinner. All right, let's move on to the second dinner. Literally what they say. Devin Archer, the second dinner. Uh, Question, the spring 2015 Cafe Milano, who was there? Archer. That dinner was, I think we went over it before, but it was uh, Vadim, Hunter, Joe, myself, Karim Masimov, a Greek Orthodox priest, maybe someone from World Food Program. Question. 
And what did Joe do at that dinner? Did he have dinner? How long was he there? He had dinner, Devin Archer. He had dinner. He had dinner. And there was, and that one I believe like, uh, I believe the first one was like a birthday dinner. And then the second one was, I think we were supposed to talk about the World Food Program. So there was some talk about that. So there were two dinners. So there were two dinners. You told us it was a niceties on a freaking phone call. There were two dinners? Two. And if there were two, you know there were three, right? You know it. I know it. Of course we do. If there were two dinners, there were three. Devin Archer, according to the House Oversight Committee, stated that Vice President Biden, then Vice President Biden, was on the phone over 20 times with Hunter's Business Associates and that these phone calls were a signal. Well, who didn't know this? Who didn't know this? But let's read the transcript, shall we? I mean, you got to give it the dramatic reading it deserves. Question. How many times would you say that Hunter Biden put his father on speakerphone or referenced his father being on the phone in front of others who were either foreign investors or foreign nationals who he was soliciting business with or working with approximately? Devin Archer. Approximately? The differentiation between investor and normal course of day, you know, that's a very hard thing to speculate on. But he, they spoke every day, meaning Hunter and Joe. He acknowledged that they spoke every day. And he would, you know, he would sometimes make it apparent that he spoke to his dad. And sometimes he put him on speaker. But as far as quantifying the number, you know, relative to investors, I don't know. Question. Not necessarily investors, but with people who Hunter Biden was trying to either get business with or make contacts with or add value to. Devin Archer, in my 10, in my whole partnership, maybe 20 times. Question, and during those 20 times, did Hunter Biden ever place his dad on speakerphone? Devin Archer, yes. Blowing up in its entirety. The lie told by Joe Biden over the years, the lie told by Corinne Jean-Pierre over the years that Joe Biden never, ever, 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 ever spoke, never, ever, ever spoke to his father or to his son, I should say, about his overseas business dealings. It was a lie. It was a lie when he said it during the campaign. Therefore, I would like to know why that isn't fraud and why aren't charges being brought against him because he lied to the country to get their vote. No, that's not how... pretty sure that's how it worked. All right, they'll explain to me how it works. I mean, this is something else. This is something else. But let's get even deeper into this, shall we? Let's get into whether or not Burisma benefited from the conversations. 
because Burisma executives requested that Hunter Biden to get the help from D.C. to address government pressure. They knew that Hunter Biden had a very powerful name. They knew that Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden had a very powerful name. Huh. Let's go over some of that transcript. Jim Jordan asks, well, actually, I should take a step further. When you say pressure from the government at this time, were you aware that Victor Shokin was investigating Burisma? Now, so we're clear, Victor Shokin was the prosecutor. In, in Ukraine. This is the same guy who Biden said, I'm not going to give you the billion dollars. You're not getting the billion dollars. Uh, and uh, if, you don't, if you don't fire the prosecutor, uh, you're not getting the billion dollars. Well, uh, son of a bitch. Remember, remember that conversation? It's an extremely important conversation. Because Joe Biden was very, very clear. How clear? Wait a second. I, I think I've got it. I, I think I, I've got it right here. Um, oh, I thought I had it. Yeah, there it is. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." (laughs) I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Sure, whatever you say. You got to love his tough guy routine. I mean, such a tough guy. So just as, as a bit of, of understanding of, of, of what that was, um, when you say pressure was the question from the government at this time, were you aware that Victor Shokin was investigating Burisma? Devin Archer, to the best, I vaguely, whether it was Shokin, I vague, there was a lot of pressure initially, he says. Continuing, there was there were several pressure issues. It was kind of a theme of Burisma. There was capital tied up in London, 23 million pounds. There was, you know, a U.S. visa denied and then a Mexico visa denied. And then there was, so Shokin wasn't specifically on my radar as, a, as being an individual that was, that was targeting him. But yes, there was constant pressure. And it was like, it was like whack-a-mole in regards to the pressure that had to resolve. Then the question comes in. From Jim Jordan. And Jim Jordan's got questions like this. The request from uh, Mikola Zlochevsky, who was the head of uh, Burisma, and, and Vadim to Mr. Biden or and or if you said it was to you, the request for help from whom to deal with what pressure? Devin Archer. 
The request, you know, basically like the request is like, can DC help? But they were not, you know, I'm not going to, they were not, it wasn't like, there weren't specific, you know, can the big guy help? It was, it was always amorphous. Can we get help in DC? So if you needed any proof that the whole reason for hiring Hunter Biden was to be able to get the help, here it is. Here it is. And when asked by uh, Congressman Biggs, why do you think they were asking Hunter Biden for DC help? He says uh, he was a lobbyist and an expert, and obviously he carried, you know, a very powerful name. The question is, what did the name do? What did the name do for him? This is why you need a committee, an impeachment inquiry, because, dear Lord, there's a lot to investigate. I'm Tony Katz. Dow is up 63. The Nasdaq is up 50. It's kind of amazing considering the downgrade from Fitch. Thought the sell-off would continue. This market does not worry about anything, does it? Nope, they're not Midwest Main Street. They don't have to worry, I guess. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Uh, reading more and more tweets from people saying, I'm done with the Republican Party. Trump can be indicted for all these things. You don't do anything. There's an argument to be made there, and it's an important one. How is Adam Schiff still on committees? How is Ilhan Omar still on committees? How has there been no defunding regarding the FBI and and others? And people are like, you you don't say defund. That's what the left says. You don't say defund. Guys, they engage in attacks on American citizens for political purposes. Maybe they shouldn't get any more money. Maybe Congress should do something. Maybe winning should mean something. Now, I just mentioned three things. You can't do one of those things. You can't do one of those things. And the anger is is rational. Now, I've uh, brought up a, a different question. And it, it's it's the question of, well... If you argue that Trump is running away with the nomination, he might get the Republican nomination, although I certainly haven't seen any polling regarding this latest indictment. I doubt anything's going to change. I, at least I don't see it. It could happen, but I don't see it. Um, is Trump the guy who should be the nominee? And I'm asking this question as a matter uh, uh, tactically. And, oh, oh, I did in my morning show, people were angry. And then some people were like, you're asking the right question. Well, of course I'm asking the right question. Whether you like it or not, that's secondary. Do you say, no, 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 everyone needs to back Trump 1,000% because we can't allow this to stand, and then take your chances in a general where he's certainly not as popular as he is within the party? Or do you say, we can't allow this to stand, let's elect somebody who can win a general, right, you'd have to believe that somebody else can win a general, and then let's go fix this? That's a question, that's a question about tactics. And certainly there's a tactic to say, screw you, Republican Party. You just take this stuff and you don't do anything? And then some people say, well, that's your party engaging in retribution. And the answer is, well, the left's got to learn. Don't get angry with me. When you're on the political left, 
for noting that you got to learn and that there are people on the right who want you to learn you're abusive. And don't get angry with me for noting that maybe there's a tactic to victory which then gets you opportunity other than Trump has to be the nominee. I think we should engage that conversation. And I'm doing it. This is Tony Katz today. category of ever-growing threat remains China, the Communist Chinese Party. We're not talking about your neighbor. We're talking about communists. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Now, your neighbor might be a communist, but they're not a communist because they're specifically Chinese. This is my point. The Communist Chinese Party is the enemy of free and thinking people. It always has been. It always will be. That's all there is to it. And we know, and as we've discussed, you can't let the Chinese, the Communist Chinese Party, buy land in the United States. They can't own businesses in the United States. It has to be taken from them. It has to be taken from them. I don't want to hear about, well, uh, in, in America, rights are for American citizens. The Constitution is for American citizens. It's not for commies. It's not for a lying, treacherous regime. It's just not. That's all there is to it. And, you know, she may be somebody who's just bragging on herself, but it's rare when I'm agreeing with Nancy Pelosi. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk and more about China. today is the one-year anniversary. Yes, I know, I know. Today it's- is the one-year anniversary of our trip. We have received so much praise from around the world and around the country about our visit there, the courage to make it, to identify with democracy and not to be running into a corner because a dictator in China is a coward and throws a temper. First, we should note that Nancy Pelosi has now reached the I'm too old to do this part of of our show her Diane Feinstein Mitch McConnell uh, and then you gotta throw in uh, John Fetterman because he physically mentally can't do the task she couldn't answer she couldn't engage completely and she's bragging about herself nobody asked her she brought it up but calling Xi uh, President Xi Jinping a dictator that's accurate and remember Biden's called him a dictator it was a few months ago and oh it was a big brouhaha the facts are the facts are the facts and how he rules and, and uh, how the foreign minister, uh, Quinn Gang, w- w- was fired seven months into the gig. But before he was fired, he, he was disappeared. All of a sudden, Quinn Gang was gone from existence. And then uh, he, he was fired. They've actually taken on social media. Uh, they don't call him Quinn Gang. They call him Quinn Gone. That's, that's what, what, what they say. Of course, Xi Jinping is a dictator. And like all dictators in all communist regimes, anybody who's considered possibly a threat is neutralized and eliminated because the only thing communism inspires is pure paranoia. Communism has never inspired anything except a prayer for a quick and painless death. That's it. That's that's the end. Now, when we talk about China and the United States, You understand we've dealt with the Confucius Institutes and we still continue to do so. 
We have dealt with these uh, secret police stations where they're monitoring U.S. activities and trying to, oh, we can't allow this to be said about China or that to be said about China, and they engage in some very, very ugly practices. Now, as the story is reported, there's a warehouse in California, and the warehouse in California, in central California, turned out to be a lab. In that lab were pathogens, and those pathogens are related to coronavirus, HIV, and malaria. So as the story goes, the warehouse was filled with thousands of vials of these diseases, with blood and with tissues, and a thousand dead and dying mice used in lab testing. They were trying to engineer the mice to carry HIV, COVID, malaria, herpes, and spread it across the United States. If you don't understand that the Communist Chinese Party is the enemy, my gosh, what is it that you understand? And you know, I, I for, forgive me on that one, because I'm saying you. Now, now many people are, are new to the show every, every day, and sometimes when you're saying you, it's, it's, it's very attack, and, I, and I, I don't mean it as attack, because why would I be saying to you when you do understand it? You, we, we've been in on these conversations. You're totally there. Sometimes you may not have heard specific stories because, well, you're working. You're living your life. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to share some of these stories, and you're like, my God, these people cannot be trusted. Correct. So why in the world would I be coming at you like that? I got to think of a better way to say that because I don't mean you. That's just rude, cats. These people who don't understand the threat of, uh, of China. This is an act of war as I see it. The lab was run under a company called Prestige Biotech. And uh, that is an unlicensed business in California. Um, the president, Zhui uh, Quin uh, Yao, Set a successor to the now defunct company Universal Meditech. Uh, that that's so. See now you're starting to get different companies and who really owns what and and, and how etc. It's a it's a months long investigation that in early July uh, created the proper disposal of all the dangerous chemicals and substances labeled and unlabeled, and a probe into the origins of the lab is ongoing. And they want to let everybody know, you know, you're safe. Everybody's safe in the area. Well, none of us are safe, and that's the point. None of us are safe in a world of a communist Chinese party where they are so desperate for the destruction of their enemies because they see their own writing on the wall. You follow the Wall Street Journal, for example, because I think they've done more writing about this than anybody. China's economy is in the crapper. Um, China is losing population. Oh, which they are, uh, by the way. This is going to ruin them. You take a look at where experts are with China and they'll tell you in, in less than 100 years, they will lose almost a billion people. The population is aging. The one-child policy prevented the... the um, Re, the, the supplanting of that population with fresh population. Therefore, you don't have enough workers to be able to give the promised goods and services to the retirees. Therefore, someone's got to starve. 
that's communism. That's how that's going to work. Uh, This story from the Wall Street Journal, China's economic recovery weakens. Leading economic indicators of manufacturing and services activity in China were weak in July. Evidence of the world's second biggest economy is losing momentum even as authorities demonstrated limited appetite to reverse the trends. What can they reverse? You had a total lockdown of hundreds of millions of people. Of course things are going to be bad. Then you have less businesses the globe over who need products from China, so there's less to actually build and create. Then you have more and more retirees. You have less and less jobs needed because you have less demand for the products. And you have people searching for jobs who got degrees in China who cannot find them. That was one of the other stories. I believe that they, they're looking to trend on a 5% GDP. That's what they need. That was the latest number. 5% GDP. If the United States had a 5% GDP, 5% gross domestic product, um, you, you'd be, the, the level of speed of growth would be hard to comprehend. 5% is an absolutely gigantic number. It's a gigantic number. 5%. That's China's GDP target, 5%. I don't even know if they're going to hit it. They need so much growth. And part of that uh, is always part of that conversation regarding uh, the green uh, part of it, right? When everyone says, oh, we got to go green and we have to have solar and wind. China doesn't give a damn about your solar and wind. They don't care. They don't care that Representative Ocasio-Cortez cries uh, about the environment. They're going to fire up as many coal power plants as humanly possible to make sure they satisfy the energy needs of an economy they desperately need to build. They don't care about what happens to the river. Their plan is, screw our river. We'll take over your river. We don't need the Yangtze as long as we've got the Mississippi. And they go about buying land all around the the, the, the the military bases and the farmland, and this is why it can't be allowed. We simply cannot allow it. And when you have a warehouse filled with COVID and HIV and mice they're experimenting on, what you need to do, and, and, and I'm, just, I'm just spitballing here, is you need to think of it as an act of war, and you have to act in a much more aggressive way with the Communist Chinese Party. You must. I don't care about the political party. I'm saying it has to get done. And anybody who doesn't understand this is somebody who is desperate to live a very, very ugly life with China on top. Just so we're clear, a society that has China on top is not a society that can thrive. It's only a society that is destined to fail, to collapse upon itself. And that rebuild is going to be super, super ugly. This is Tony Katz today. You heard Gavin make the offer. Your answer is? Absolutely. I'm game. Let's get it done. Just tell me when and where. We'll do it. And here- That's 
Ron DeSantis on with Hannity last night on Fox saying that, yes, he would debate Gavin Newsom. When I first heard this story, I was like, why are you even wasting your time? You're running for president. Why are you, why are you doing this? But maybe DeSantis needs this more than he needs oxygen because he needs oxygen. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Go to TonyKatz.com. Get everything that we do. I would love your support over there, TonyKatz.com. DeSantis' campaign has not gone well. DeSantis has not connected. We've talked to uh, the experts in Iowa about how poorly he has come across and how well Trump has done and is doing uh, over there. Uh, There is the reboot of the campaign that has had to take place, which we've discussed, which I don't think is the end of the world. But when you have to reboot, when you have to get rid of a third of the staff, I mean, it's a story. And it's not the story that, that you want, but it's a story. Don't get angry when people are talking about it. But it's it's strange that a guy who's had so much success in Florida, and anybody who says he hasn't had success in Florida is unserious, uh, that he hasn't been able to make that translate in his conversations, in his in his presentations. Um, this could have something to do with the fact that he didn't have the right staff. This could have something to do with the fact that he didn't have the right methodology to the campaign. Uh, if you weren't going to campaign early and often in Iowa, what exactly was your plan? Your name was big enough that you wouldn't have to establish the ground game? You're not Trump. You're not Trump. You understand that Trump had no, in 2016, had no ground game. It didn't exist. It was all aerial bombardment. And it was, and it was successful, of course. You need a ground game. I, w- I wouldn't walk into a presidential race without a ground game in, in Iowa. No, no shot. You're visiting every county. You're having those conversations on every single front porch. That's how it is done. And to say, well, I can do it a different way because look how popular I am. No, 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 no. Because in Iowa, they've seen it all. They've seen all the people who are wicked popular. It's, it's, it's old hat to them and you cannot get them in that way that did happen with trump it won't happen for another hundred years you need ground game whatever they were thinking they thought wrong and then here comes gavin newsom he's trying to bother ron DeSantis, pretend california is a place that is much freer uh and, and much better and challenge i i didn't know this he challenged ron DeSantis to a debate so now DeSantis is saying yeah sure let's do that There are two things here that I think are worth noting. First, if you're saying yes to a debate outside of something presidential, you're doing it because you need people to see the kind of fighter that you are. You need people to see you in a different light, taking on the enemy, feel the air quotes, and helping establish you. If he had run his campaign better, he wouldn't have to make this move. But this move, and if the debate ever happens, is going to excite people and gives him an opportunity to reach more potential voters and certainly more potential donors. Let's, this is a half move of desperation, but it is also a great move of opportunity. It, it is. It's 100% there. The second part of this that I found stunning was that this took place on Hannity's show. 
on Sean's show. You're talking about the guy who for four years was the Trump whisperer. I mean, that's, does anybody else find that amazing that Hannity is now engaged in this elevation? It goes to what I was discussing earlier. And oh, ho, ho, do I have people angry with me? That's fine. Oh, Tony, you're so wrong. That's like you're wrong about everything. I'm wrong about everything. Okay. Think that I'm wrong about everything. Glad you're listening. The Republican Party has to ask itself what its plan is. Does it feel that with all of this abuse Trump is taking, they can still back Trump and win a general? Or do you back somebody else, win the general, and then fix this abuse that has been thrown on Donald Trump? Now, if you're somebody who believes that only Trump can fix the abuse, well, then I guess you're still backing Trump. If you're somebody who believes that even though it is abusive what's happened to President Trump, it has an effect on the general populace, you can't win a general with Trump, so you have to win a general with somebody else and then go about fixing it. People are like, no, you can't do that. You got to go with Trump only. You got to fix it with somebody else. That's crazy. You're letting them win. I don't want these people to win. These people are terrible. These progressives are awful. I need to win the election so I can make the changes. I'm discussing tactics. You're discussing cult of personality. There's the difference as I see it. I'm only discussing tactics. And maybe the tactic is sticking with Trump all the way through. Maybe that's the tactic. But if you don't discuss it, how do you know? Blind faith? Bitch, please. That ain't my bag. That Hannity did this. I don't know if people see it as Hannity trying to elevate DeSantis. Because maybe he's playing a tactical game too. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Maybe I'm the only person who saw it that way. Maybe I'm not the only person who noticed that. But it's there. And we're going to keep having this conversation for sure. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.